0: Welcome to Much More Much Here with Pup Duffy and Kira Lane. Today, we get to talk with co-writer and director, DM Cunningham, of the movie Three Demons, out July 5th.
1: Well, welcome everybody to the show. We are here with a DM Cunningham, or Matt, as we are going to refer to him. I am feeling a little bit under the weather, and my beautiful partner, Kira, has done the lion's share of the work and she's gonna kind of carry the interview for me and I appreciate it. Yeah. But I did the listen, so let's get it on.
2: Okay.
0: Well, um, going off of what Pup just said about Mm -hmm. how humans are our own worst enemy, so to speak. I mean, you've got like Skynet and all of that other wonderful things that you've got, the algorithm biases that humans put into those things. And, This movie, Three Demons, is very much, uh, I I loved it. I watched it, and I just, at first, it was hard for me to understand what was going on. And there's a specific scene where it was just like, oh, that's what's going on. That's terrifying. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Uh, good. Oh, thank you. So um, my first question is, like, how is working with Peter Tell since, um, as a writer and an actor? Because I knew you worked previously with him in the Spore movie. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So that you wrote and you directed. So yeah. how was that having him kind of as a, a writer working together with him in that regard?
2: Well, Pete and I hit it off when we did the spore. The, I mean, we just, we were pretty simpatico with is fine As far as like a lot of the ideas and the things, we, you know, we we're talking about uh, the human story, the human element that like, I don't know, I think we were both kind of in this transitional uh, phase. Because I had actually just moved uh, to Michigan with my family from Los Angeles before we did the spore, uh, where we had lived for about 21, 22 years there. And my, my wife's from Michigan. So that was kind of the reason why we came here. And, and we got talking about transition and the difficulties and transitioning and things like that. In the, and it just kind of led us into this this story. We were talking about it on spore. Like we just got kind of rambling about like, wouldn't it be interesting if there was some like, I don't know, like a possession movie from the point of view of the possessed, like how could we tackle that? And um, also not having like when you move and you don't know anybody, you feel like you don't have that much control over your life, you know, and you're just kind of making your way through and figuring it out. So there was kind of these odd themes that were popping up and it just seemed like, it was kind of working for the story. I like just feeling kind of out of place and uh, a little, um, I guess a, a sense of who you are, you know, in, in where you are. Did right. that answer the question? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It, did. Okay. it actually answered um, into like my second question. So okay. you're like ahead of the game. Oh, good. So uh, the, the, that whole aspect with, you know, the... Uh, kind of the it's schizophrenic Mm -hmm. and uh I was able to I've got I I I have some history like I I have people in my life that suffer from it yeah so I was able to pick up on that pretty quickly um so but with that whole experience like my main takeaway from the piece itself was you know and correct me if I'm wrong here but it's what happens when the demons are within Mm-hmm. And it really spoke to like the prison the mind can become, and the scope of how painful and lonely living with a mental illness can be, and it also focuses on the inability for some to determine reality from hallucinations, and drives home the point that more needs to be done, I think, for a mental health, health crisis. Um, is this something that you both hoped would be conveyed from those watching the film?
2: Yes, yeah, I th- I think that um, that's a big thing for. Pete and I too, you know, talking about your mental health, your mental well-being, uh, anything that people we know experience or even ourselves go through, you know, even, even things just like depression and how heavy that can be, you know, and how in even a state of depression, what the a, a weight of that feels like on you, and sometimes you just can't even get motivated or get up to move and do stuff, and so we wanted to talk we wanted to be like, you know, here's Fisher. And within a span of this movie, when he's out there in this space, you know, like, what if all of this is happening within like a two or three hour period of time? Like he is just like that, that may be what's going on with people, you know, sometimes they just they get lost, and they have no sense of time or place. And that's the whole point of that is that, you know, you lose yourself and and, and, and those are things that we wanted to kind of touch on not be too heavy-handed but we also wanted to be you know I I think the point of like what you said is the schizophrenia of the movie is because it's the point of view of him like he has no there's no uh sense of linear anything and that was what we wanted to do and we're like we were gonna we knew we're kind of taking a big swing to make that movie that way (laughs) you know and hoping that people would be like oh I I see what they're doing and they will or they won't, but um, I'm glad you did. You know, I'm glad that it it struck a chord and and uh, hit with you.
0: Yeah, and, and like that's like the non linear thing is like it took like I said, it took me a second because you go into this and then you you see like the occult ties, and then the and and the the I guess the final placement of of you know something to yeah. perpetuate that. Um, so and like I said, with the deep personal experiences that I've had with regards to schizophrenia, mm-hmm. I found it really interesting that the movie tied the occult to Fisher as he you know like when he's talking to the doctor and refers to a they.
2: Yeah. And
0: uh, it's commonly reported that those who suffer from schizophrenia share in like religious like delusions like either having God speak to them, um, being possessed by demons. Um, I know that you've done extensive research, uh, and work as a researcher for various TV series mm-hmm. and movie documentaries. Yeah. Uh, did this come into play for you and Peter with regards to mental illness that Fisher has when writing the manuscript?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think there is a lot, um, you know, you want to be careful, like when you're doing this kind of things, you know, you don't. you cause you're shining a light on it. And, and you're, you also want to tell like a scary story. And I think for us, the occult aspect of it was like, that's just, you know, for us, I really think that that's the trigger. That was the trigger. Like it, 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 we talked about this a lot in great detail too, for a long time, Pete and I were sitting here and go like, well, he was, it's probably already been there. It's been there. It's been maybe dormant waiting. And he hit that moment in that time and place and these things, they saw him, right? The energy saw it and it was like, oh, he's fun." Let's go over there because he's got a lot of this dark energy that's just kind of waiting in there. And so from the horror movie occult standpoint, that's kind of, you know, that was the, the gateway into it. But I think for this story, a lot of that stuff was just in there and it was a trigger. It just triggered all this emotional stuff that he'd been hiding, his guilt, and his pain, and all those things that, um, you know, trigger all those kind of uh, uh, emotional spaces that people can get into.
0: Right. Well, it's funny that you say that, too, because um, that sort of thing can be a trigger for, it's it's a documented thing, like religious yeah. stuff, it can be a trigger for that sort of thing to happen. So I really, I really loved that you guys know touched point on all of those things and it 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 was layered um and with a lot of movies like i think identity did a very good job uh with that layered like multiple personality disorder thing and that was like oh god that's terrifying you know like i think that's the worst part the most terrifying thing is not being able to control what is in your mind and so that was you guys did beautifully on that and um i adored
2: it so good job thank you thank you
0: right let me um i just
1: wanted to interject really quickly because what you what you did in the film is something that could have gone horribly wrong you you shown a spotlight on the mental illness without stigmatizing it and that's like a isn't that like a balancing act right but it's so funny Kira and I have discussed doing this uh, this specific topic for a show in regards to like demonic possessions and how much of it is actually like mental illness you know and but we, we I personally kind of struggled with trying to find a way to do it with the right heart and with the right intention so because we, we're not coming after mentally ill people at all but I think historically these these, the exorcism of Emily Rose type things, right? It's, yeah, it, yeah. It, and it's it's almost like, we're not trying to like prove that God and the devil don't exist or anything, at least I don't think so, but we'd really like to dive deep into that and to see, are there numbers, are there records, you know, can we prove one way or another? So it's something that we've really talked about. So to see this film, both the both of us, we were both kind of like, oh my god somebody else is thinking about this yeah Yeah.
2: well you know and too like with the question there's like she's like are you talking about god and the devil i think that pete and i talked about this too that's like it that's for me is like the easy label to put on it because that's what so many people would just be like oh well it must be the devil or you know like um especially before there was a lot more knowledge on mental health and stuff, you know, you think about it, everything like the witch trials, all that stuff, just anybody, whether, you know, somebody could have had ADHD or something, and they could have been considered like, well, oh, this person might be possessed or something, because they just, they can't focus or whatever it is. Right. That, kind they, of they like would, autism you
0: know, with lobotomies. Right. You know,
2: that sort of thing. Yeah. So before there was some sort of education about it and stuff like that i mean just think of through history how much of that stuff was labeled you know uh wow it must be the devil or whatever you know any of that stuff it could have done it um and i think that's what we wanted to touch on is like here's somebody in a clinical space just putting a label on it you know like oh you're talking about god and the devil like that's as simple as it is right it's like no there's so much more to this and these layers like you were saying too is like that's what we wanted. We wanted to just also not try to explain it either. I think it, it would have been maybe a bit of a disservice if we tried to completely explain it and be like, this is what this is because like, okay. you know, I don't want to sound like a pretentious filmmaker or like, well, what do you think it means? Um, but, but I think that that's what we wanted is that you to go on the journey with him and kind of discover uh, a story that you're like, oh, this is, this is what I'm thinking about and, and, and create conversations with it. And, right. um, you know, it sounds like we're doing it. So it's good.
1: Well, it's very, it's very easy to blame some being or creature or, uh, you know, yeah. manif- that's not showing up to defend themselves. <laughs> you know, the devil's not popping up going, that wasn't me. I didn't right. do
2: that. <laughs> right. Right.
1: But I think also a a sign of a a well-done film or a a good film is that it's open to interpretation. I think a lot of people do like their films to be neatly tied up at the end where you're like, oh, you did all for me. But I like finishing a film and sitting there for a few minutes going, wait a minute. Yeah. Do you think, you know, that the conversation afterwards with you know someone that you've watched it with as kira and i did i think that's i think it's incredibly well done
2: oh thank you i it's funny you said that because uh the previous film the spore there was a lot of people that didn't like it because it just wasn't a spoon-fed linear movie you know And and i was like well the whole point of that movie was to be more of a fly on the wall if something like when the pandemic happens you like I was thinking about somebody who's like hiking through the woods and is completely, um, you know, not connected to anyone and there's stuff going on out there and you have no idea. And all of a sudden you walk into it, you have no concept of what this is. And, you know, so the idea of that film was to be in this space where people just walk right into this random thing that's happening on. And, and all of a sudden they're like, what is, what is going on here? Um, But I, I think that, you know, you got to challenge people, right? You got to give them a little something like I, I like, I like some of my spoon fed horror just as much as an ex person. Right. Like, I mean, great. Those are the movies that I like to just chill watch and not have to think about, but sometimes I think you need to be poked in and horror, especially is a good space to question things. Right. I mean, we can get away with a lot more and, and make people think, um, and that's what I enjoy is we have a lot of space to play too. Yeah. You know, we can get away with a lot more stuff. <laughs>
1: nice about horror and the sci-fi genre and the fantasy genre is you can sus- you can suspend that disbelief. It doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. So yeah, with a film, definitely love if it leaves you kind of thinking about it. I hate when it ends just abruptly. Like they got, they're like, ah. Yeah. I think we're done. We're just going to credit. <laughs>
0: right.
1: that, that, yes. That's where I'm like, you know what? I just wasted an hour and 48 minutes, you know, but to leave, to leave it open to interpretation and to have conversations further on. Absolutely. Bring it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, kind of
1: a, a good example of something that's not spoon fed. And this, this is where you have to separate art from the art, but, cabin in the woods
2: mm-hmm. hello yeah it's
1: like this is not your normal they're camping in the woods slash your flick yeah. all of a sudden there's this whole other you know thing going on to where you're so you get done watching it and you're talking with the people that watched it with you and you're like did you see the holy shit did you see yeah. the, you know and it's like films like that and films like yours where you're still talking about it
2: Yeah, I know. I love that movie. That movie was so great. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, and then the dynamic, though, like, I mean, you've got all of these layers, but then you have, I'm sorry, the cinematography was incredible. I'm like, it was so well done from the opening scene with the sheet fluttering down and then Mm -hmm. the light play with Fisher and the doctor, the light play and the shadows helped to enhance and capture the emotions and the moods. So what was your decision process to go about these creative attributes like how did you handle that and do that
2: well I, I don't know if you notice some of these things in the in the movie but there's there's a shot one um so we have like there's certain times when the camera will just shift to a different angle and there are actually like dead leaves and stuff in the shot and then you go to a different angle and there's like really lush and some shots we've actually took the green out of the leaves like behind them and started shifting it into brown so it it was like intentional to create this space that when you're in it like and i noticed you know you may or may not notice it but it's 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 kind of i guess like subliminal in there right like there's an ever shifting space it's just always this spectrum of change or um it might be a little bit colder or things like that. And our thought was when Pete and I were writing, we're like, um, you know, these, these things, they have no um, there's again, there's no linear sense to anything. Like they can just be from night to day to cold to leaves, but like they are just, that's just the way their world moves. It's fluid and it's ever changing and I wanted to have that kind of weird sense of like, you could turn and be in another space or shot and it looks different or weird. There's just something a little off to it. So right. it was a, it was a creative choice and it was also part of shooting in the woods on an independent, you know, movie You're like, well, we've got to use what we have. So let's, let's use <laughs> the changing of these things and, and start right. making things be a part of the story. Right. Um, but yeah, Keith, uh, our DP and stuff, he's just, he's great. Like he, some of the stuff, some of the things he lights with what he does, you're just like, I, that just doesn't make any sense how you can use one light like that and make that look as good as it does. But yeah, he's really good with that stuff. So- Yeah, it
0: was phenomenal. And, you know, going back to like the skipping, I wrote in my notebook, cause I was reading, I was watching this and taking notes. And I wrote in my notebook, is like door locked. Door open question mark, you know, like yeah. and then I started, and then whenever I started to it kind of made me pause and go back and be like, okay, once I figured it out, now I've got to go back yeah. and kind of watch that duality that yeah. you've got. So and you I did notice, I noticed like it light and then dark, and then him in the house laying on it, like asleep on the table versus just being out in the woods. And I was like, the heck is going on? Yeah. And then I yeah. figured it out. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, that's incredible. Yeah. So Going off of that and your previous experience within the industry, which has been over 20 years. Yeah. I mean, you worked for like special effects on big name movies like Starship Troopers and Mm -hmm. Predator. So how did all of this experience come into play creating the set and the aesthetics that we saw?
2: Well, I think that. You know, from from the beginning, when I was a kid, this is pretty much all I've wanted to do, anyways, is make monster movies and stuff. So, um, a lot, I think, when I was in LA, having all of those experiences, working on all those big movies, working on all of those shows, they just gave me such a, a huge palette of, of things. Like, as, as you become like this filmmaker, you're kind of like, oh, I, now I know how to do that. Now I'm going to learn how to do this. Some of it is comes is um, born out of necessity, you know, because you're, you're especially when we we're in LA, I want to go shoot something, but you're like, oh, you need a permit. You need this, you need that. So you have to be very creative and figure out how to do things. And a lot of times do them on your own because people get busy and stuff like that. So a lot of that comes from learning all of those tasks. And then when we got here, you don't have a lot of that red tape that you have to deal with. Like you do in LA to film. Uh, People are like, oh, I've got 28 acres that you can go film on or whatever, just have at it. So it's like Disneyland. You're just like, what? I can go use that place. I can do this and that. Um, So all of that, all of that knowledge, all of that stuff just kind of comes together. And, you know, a lot of the demons and stuff were all built in like my basement effect shop and the, um, a lot of the effects work is like, I, you know, I knew how to do all that stuff. So here we are, we're, you know, we're going to start building these things and making them. And um, our daughter, Zoe was one of the demons in the movie. (laughs) And so she, uh, so we, it was nice because she's in the house. So I was like, Zoe, get down here. I can keep testing and putting the suit on you and making sure it fits. And then, you know, she was such a trooper. She just would go out there and it would be some nights it'd be really cold and she would just get in that costume and do her thing. And then, you know, I'm like, Hey, I've worked with bigger actors who've complained (laughs) about, you know, um, and she was great. She just got out there and did that. She is, uh, 13. She's going to be 14 here in like two weeks.
1: You're happy birthday. That's right. What's that? You're raising the next generation. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or Fanana. Yeah. Yeah. Actually,
2: she just watched the movie with her two friends here today. They, you know, and so I was kind of doing the, okay, I'll leave you guys alone. But of course I was sitting around the corner and like trying to listen in. (laughs) Like, How are they like, do they understand what's going on? Or are they just like, you know, but they seem to track with it. You know, I'm sure there's some things that were like, whatever, but I did a little, breakdown at the beginning of the movie like okay this is not your typical movie it's not linear it's not this and that okay okay so they made it through it
0: yeah that's awesome yeah well your daughter did such a great job because I was looking at the cast and I noticed and I was like oh she did really good you know like I I loved it I like I love whenever you know creatives will bring their family into things I think that makes it special in a different way. Like it's yeah. it's like a like family bonding time, you know, but yeah. it's it's more sweeter whenever I'm like, I guess it's because I'm a mom and I've got a family. So I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing ever. You know, like yes. what in the world would you like, why would you want to act with anybody else?
2: Well <laughs> it's true. It's a whole family affair because my wife's the executive producer. Um, You know, my son will come out to set and and just do stuff on work the slate or run the fog machines and stuff. So it is kind of funny that, you know, here's our wonderfully tight, beautiful family out here making these really (laughs) weird, creepy movies. But it is the set, everybody on set was just, it bonded really well, you know, because we shot the film in the pandemic. And I think, you know, there was like a crew of five of us. And so, I mean, we were moving fog machines around in circles and shooting and, you know, it was kind of crazy, but uh, we pulled it off.
0: Yeah, y'all did really good. I wouldn't have been able to tell that it was made during a pandemic with five people, I'm going to tell you that.
2: Yeah, good, good. (laughs) It was
0: really good, very well done. So I noticed the shout out to Wes Craven. Mm -hmm. So is he one of those that inspired you to become a writer and a director uh, in horror?
2: He is. Um, So... I'll tell this quick little story um when I was a kid and I saw Nightmare on Elm Street and it freaked me out like you know of course Freddy Krueger you're just like what is this uh and I'm I think the night I saw the movie I had like 102 fever later that night so I was kind of like hallucinating and I kept telling my mom I think I hear Freddy Krueger <laughs> else and she and she it was funny because it was almost like mirroring the movie you got to stop watching those scary movies so after a point in time i really kind of embraced freddie and more horror and i had my walls plastered with freddie uh, just mm-hmm. pictures of them posters and everything well cut to much later in in uh, hollywood i got a uh opportunity to write a column for famous monsters of filmland magazine and i was writing this column about like um, iconic props, the phantasm ball, the Freddy Krueger glove. And I got to interview Wes and the interview went really well. Like he, uh, you know, he took a shine to me or whatever. And and from there, uh, it became kind of like, Oh, do you want to go to breakfast? Or do you want to, you know, see a movie or whatever? So things like that, it just kind of snowballed into this great relationship with him. So he was definitely, I mean, you know to think about that as being a kid and here's this guy who created this you know these like scream and and elm street and last house and and um you know you're just sitting across from him and you're just having a conversation and, you, and he's like this guy who is such a huge influence and he was so genuine and nice and and a great mentor and and just so to have that you know is just, it just kind of blows your mind sometimes when you think about, you know, I can't believe I'm sitting here <laughs> with him and doing this. Um, But yeah, so a lot of this stuff, our short films and stuff, I'll kind of have his name in it right now, because he was a very big, at the time I was working in TV, and I was kind of like, you know, I don't know, I guess in the doldrums, because I was like, this isn't really what I want to be doing. I mean, it's, yeah, of course, it's a good job. You know, I'm not going to complain or whatever, but you come to Hollywood to follow your dreams and make movies and whatever. And he was the one who was like, well, why aren't you doing the thing that you're really passionate about? You need to get back out there and do it. Uh, so that kicked off those short films that we have on our website and stuff. And and just kind of led into, yeah, so Wes definitely pushed me back into it
0: incredible that is its it's one of those things that yeah you look at it you're like I'm having pancakes with the guy who gave me nightmares yes exactly cheers (laughs) yeah yeah and like that's and and the the thing is it's like you you bring up nightmare on elm street and that was like my dad was a huge horror fan Mm -hmm. all horrors cba movies um My dad got yelled at because he introduced me to like, um, the exorcist at like four years old. Okay. So yeah. So like we were, we were horror buddies. We would watch these movies. My mom was like, I swear you're going to screw her up. She's going to have some kind of mental issues because of what you're doing to her. And, um, I remember that I was okay with all of them except for two and poltergeist is one. Yes because it's like oh. you can't control any of that like anything nope. that's like spiritual I was just like I felt so gross and I felt like my like my soul was being sucked out of my body when I was watching yeah, that so right. that was terrifying and then Nightmare on Elm Street like I don't I was scared to go to sleep because I was like if I go to sleep this this guy could come get me and that's it like I have to stay yeah. awake I, I think I pulled prob- close to like a 48 hour yeah. At like six years old, staying I mean, awake, oh my like I'm going to sleep.
2: Yeah, so. I mean that's so powerful. And and poltergeist was the same for me too because I had that tree in my backyard. At the night I had saw poltergeist, it was doing the whole lightning storm and everything. I came home and I was up in my bedroom and I was looking at that tree and I was like, no way. Like, this is not going to end well tonight.
0: He Yes. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's like, but he, he's, he kicked me off to the horror genre. Oh, um, that's
2: awesome. And
0: so like, I, I got to tell him, I was like, guess who I'm interviewing, dad. <laughs> he's like, uh, I was like, not believe you right now. And I was like, eh, you know, I'm living my dream. You helped me get there. Thank <laughs> you.
2: That's so cool.
0: But um, yeah. So like th- that you bring that up. I was just like, yeah, I feel that. I feel those. Those feels, yeah, you, me, yeah. same page. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: So Peter Tell's performance was emotionally driven in the best way imaginable. And it left me feeling connected to the character in a very raw and real way with the loss, the internal struggle, fear, etc. And it almost seems as if Peter had become that character. So, like, did was there any guidance from outside of him to do this, like to portray Fisher the way he did? Or was that just all Peter?
2: That's just all Pete. Oh my gosh, he's so amazing. Raw talent. I mean, and he's the nicest, most humble dude. And you're, you know, you're, sometimes you just, you watch him do what he does on set. And you're just like, I mean, you know, you're like, you feel like you're watching someone like really come unhinged and then we'll say cut and he'll sit up. And some scenes were really, really emotionally taxing. I mean, there was a couple of times when he's like, I gotta, I gotta leave the set. Like, and I I get it, you know, like go off mm-hmm. over there, catch yourself, get back into because he he would. He would just sit there and get into that. And for somebody who doesn't have like years of formal training or anything to watch him drop into those spaces, it just it blows your mind. I mean, it I mean, honestly, it makes my job. Just incredibly easy to just be like, "All right, Pete, let's do it." <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean, and then, like, he- here's the scene. uh I know. I know then there's times when we have to stop. There was a couple times in the movie when we were filming where, like, like the scene when he was strangling himself and the- like yes. he was like, "I was like, dude, we- stop!" Like, I, I think yeah, he a- was all well, in on that one all in we did four takes and that was it i i was like even four takes was probably too much but he was like i got, I got another one in me and i was like yeah i can't send you home like in a body bag you know like from <laughs> film set it, that's not a good idea so um right he really he puts his everything into it i mean he really does he's just a great great partner to work with
0: i did notice that and like that's but I, I hope I hope we can get him to come talk to us too. Oh, absolutely! I would he, really would,
2: he would love to
0: love to because yes. he is phenomenal. And you're right; like he's, I would never have been able to tell that he wasn't classically trained, like uh, just by yeah. uh, like it looks like he's had some kind of theater or like that kind of experience because he was able to like get into that mentality, that darkness, and. Yeah. You know, I know like, and that's something that I'm like, I'm curious how he was able to do that because, you know, I know a lot of creatives like me when I'm writing, you know, I tap into like dark pieces of my soul and experiences that I've had. So it would be really interesting to see how he was able to do that because like that's, it was uncanny. It was unreal to see how well he did.
2: Yes, I would love to have you guys interview him so I could hear <laughs> what he says. We'll <laughs> make like, that oh, happen, that's then. fascinating.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Matt will be like uh, the surprise guest. He'll be like,
0: oh, yeah? Well, you didn't tell me that when we were filming. Yeah,
2: exactly. I'll hide behind the curtain and pop out.
0: <laughs> so do you have anything new coming up that we should keep our eyes on?
2: Um. Well, it's funny because Pete and I we we shot this pilot that is completely opposite of everything we've just done, which is this really uh, goofy um, monster comedy thing um, that we are we sh- we shot. At, we have like a like a little thirty minute pilot of basically like The Office or Parks and Rec and Ghostbusters, you know. Um, and then we're also starting um, to shoot, I guess, if you will, kind of, kind of like this little network that we're building of new kind of creepy, spooky, fun, uh, family stuff too, like with puppet monsters and more stuff like that. So we're looking at trying to, um, do a bunch of that. And there's a couple other scripts that I've got in the works, you know, one's really, uh, cool creepy thing and some other ones are kind of more fun um, uh, like comedy horror stuff because I just love that space too that's I just <laughs> I love it. you know the movies like um, I don't know have you ever seen this movie Grabbers or um, yeah. you know like just a lot of those kind of just really silly funny monster movie things I yeah. love those I'm like it's Trem- gonna make those Tremors like- yes just, yeah. attack Absolutely. of the rotten
0: tomatoes is like one of my favorites yes. like <laughs> growing yes. up i was like dad the rotten tomatoes i need to rent that from blockbuster
2: <laughs> yeah anything like that like i just throw yeah. the blob from 1988 night of the creeps anything that has that i mean clearly i have a you know a Killbots poster on our wall that tells you what kind of one movies of my, i like
1: <laughs> one of my favorite films is army of darkness so i am oh. Right. oh yes
2: i mean how many times did you see that in the theater did you see that in the theater? Am I dating myself? Because
1: <laughs> I have it on VHS still. I was too young yes, to you go do. to the theater to see that.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, but I I like you're a
0: baby. Get out.
2: <laughs> well, that movie's that movie's just so great. I mean, the whole even the Ash versus Evil Dead series. I love that series. I just love how over the top it is. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's
1: so. Talking about uh shooting in the woods with the leaves and everything. And I was thinking, you know who else liked to shoot in the woods? <laughs> Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Josh mm-hmm. Beck, Ed yes. Raimi, all of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, all the Michigan boys.
1: That's right, the Michigan boys. I wanted to ask just a couple logistic questions. Where was the, the film? Where was it on located?
2: Uh, we shot, we actually shot it in, in Lowell, Michigan. Oh so. uh, Michigan.
1: And okay.
2: Michigan. Okay. Yeah. So we, we shot the four and Three Demons here, like back-to-back back in Michigan. So when we moved here, when we landed here, it was basically like from the time we got here, maybe about six months before we started filming movies. So not a bad, not bad. But yeah, they were both shot on private property. Keiths, who is the DP and producer, um, he has... 28 acres of property <laughs> so yeah, we could go there and be like completely isolated and uh um you know shoot the film there so it was good it's it's like having your own backlot,
1: for sure uh and my other question is purely um, sfx or actually practical effects what was the bird poop made out of i have it to- <laughs> yeah
2: <but> I- <laughs> that's funny that was yogurt
0: <laughs> okay, now that you go off with that, I want to yeah. ask about strawberry jam. Like, I like I <laughs> I saw like something that was like some like the blood or whatever. It looked like it was strawberry jam. Am I so, right?
2: That so um we make this stuff, and you guys have probably heard of this. That we make this stuff called ultra slime. Okay, and it's the same slime that they used in Ghostbusters and oh, Alien okay. and stuff like that, but. So we put some, um, we put red food dye in there and it's super, it's like a food attitude <laughs> and and it's, it is, it's just like the yeah. jelly out of a donut or something right? because uh, you can make it right. real thick and goopy. So okay. like the scene in the cabin, um, mm-hmm. all of that stuff was just super thick, ultra slime. Okay. Um, you know, we make a lot of our own bloods and stuff too, because yeah. we can That's have control over the colors and the, and the uh, the look of it. So okay. I would
1: love Kira. I would love to, to talk with Matt again, just specifically about special effects. We could get, um, we could get Scott Reed, the prop master mm-hmm. down in Austin. You've probably probably heard of him because he was, he was talking about that, the, the slime and, uh, how, how breakaway glass is made and how they make blood puddles on the floor, but it's not actually liquid. So I would love at Yeah. At, to sit
0: and talk special effects.
2: Oh, for sure. I can do it'd that all great. day. I yeah.
0: need an ingredients list though. So like I can make all of this stuff as we're talking about it and then I can show you my finished product and I can be like, nailed it, not really.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we can judge a, you. It'll be great.
0: <laughs> it'll be
1: like a cooking show, but we're cooking up Limes. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be a lot. And especially since you have been in, in this business for 20 years, the advancements... Mm-hmm. You know, from sugar glass to, to these actual, like, uh, I think it's like a resin, you know, things like that. That would be a really great conversation to have. I would love to do that.
2: No, that would be a lot of fun. Because it's funny, because sometimes we still, I still go with what just the simplest, goofiest things, you know, um, like, if you saw how some of the, the creature things were built in the spore and stuff, you would be like, what, really, that's how they did that? But it, it works. It just works, you know. And it like yep. I'm a such a uh, practical effects person. I I just I like the tangibility of it. I like that that you know. Also, if you have actors who aren't as seasoned, you know, that know how to act with a tennis ball or whatever, it it's way easier. Just like well, we'll put them in the scene with the thing and yeah, you know, it just, and just
1: get an honest reaction.
2: Yeah, uh, and 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 plus blood and goo and all that stuff you you know it just goes where it wants to go and that's what makes it fun because there's times when things just go wrong and you get the shot and you're like oh that was perfect uh, yeah. it's a happy accident you know <laughs> uh and i love those that we have you get those all the time in filming you're like yep don't change that don't do anything that was great
1: <laughs> you you cut off the you know the fake arm and the blood spurts up their nose and it's like cut
2: yes <laughs> Yes. <Keep it.
1: laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And if you try to do that digitally, it's going to look horrible.
0: I so. feel like I've missed my calling in life because I, I, I feel at this point now I'd be a great candidate for like an actress for a horror film because I've got like this texture, tactile, like sensory issue, like anything that's gooey, anything. I'm just going to be screaming and grossed out and running away.
2: <laughs> right. And right. I feel
0: like I have missed my calling in life. Like I was built for this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know
1: you know if we we (laughs) might be able to be extras you know
0: that's right you don't get paid but you do get lunch
2: (laughs) we feed you very well by the way i
0: i I am i am i'm that kid that you see at the parties that's got like a drink in one hand and is sitting by the snack table just constantly shoving food in my mouth (laughs) so that's like the perfect payment i've always been that way people know where to find me they'll be like okay she's at the table
2: Well, that's how I, you know, we pay Pete and sandwiches. We always joke about sandwiches. Like, is this a two sandwich movie? Do I have to pay? How many sandwiches do I have to pay you? And I always knew where to find Pete. I'd be at the snack table because he, you know, we always, we made sure we had all the, the, the goodies that he liked. And I'd be like, where's Pete? Oh, right. He's probably over at the snack table. (laughs) And there he was. like
0: Pete, I like Pete. He seems like he might be my spirit animal.
2: Yeah, he is, he's awesome. You guys would, should definitely talk to him. I mean, he would would be, he's so much fun and um, and the way his brain works too, you know, like some of the insight that he'll tell you on the movie is fascinating. Oh,
0: it's so exciting. Absolutely.